In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, How Information Security Professionals Should Interact with the Media, Part 1. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how information security professionals should interact with the media. And with me today to do that is InfoSec journalism wizard, Steve Reagan. <laughs> Did I'm, I get a wizard. Li- I'm a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I took that from your About Me page, by the way. <laughs> um, did I get your last name right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Reagan, like uh, the like the president, like uh, the president. Okay, cool. I spell it. I spell it different. You know, I found out a couple of years back that there's like a big communications company, Reagan Communications. And I was like, wow, completely unrelated to everybody there, but we all have the same last name. <laughs> and I bet they don't even know I exist, which is hilarious. <laughs> right, right. All right. So let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, and, and before I actually want to get into this topic is, is let's define who is the media. So defining the media, you would think that's really clear cut. It's not. It's anybody that has... Uh, for me, the media is anyone with a platform to share or basically uh, publish information. And that could be anything. You know, it could be photojournalism. It could be, you know, just writing a blog. Um, it could be publishing your research that you do on your own. Um, it could be a public GitHub page where your notes are basically the story you're telling and it's all code. You know, that is media. So, in terms of defining media and how the security community can work with the media, that's a tricky subject. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously in my job, I want you to just talk to me all day long, give me your secrets and share them. But at the same time, realistically, you have to know when not to talk to the media. You have to know when not to interact because sometimes that's not in your best interest or your company's best interest. I mean, there are some things that you're not supposed to share. So you really have to be aware of that. Okay. So where would, where would someone interact with the media? Trade shows, um, conferences, impromptu gatherings. I mean, you, you'll interact with the media in a number of places and sometimes you won't even realize it. Um, if you're looking to get your story out there, like if you've got something you want to see in the media, obviously, you know, you're going to interact with them at like big conferences like RSA or Black Hat, um, even little little places that are, are growing. Like B-Sides is a big favorite of mine when it comes mm. to covering security. So you'll interact with the media there. Um, social media is a good way to talk to the media. Um, so, you know, journalists do keep very public uh, social media accounts. And part of that is because we truly do want people to reach out to us. I mean, that's not... It's not something we'll shy away from. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a number of ways to interact and meet the media. It just really depends on your goals. Um, usually when, like, you and I were talking earlier, when I do the, the media training, we always take it from the premise that you have a story you want to tell. And so it's how best to shape that narrative to get your story in the public, which is why we jokingly title, you know, Hacking the Media for Fame and Profit. Because if you do your PR game correctly, that's exactly what you're going to end up doing. You'll become the number one source for most media people, and 
you know, your face and brand and everything like that. It's just, that's the news cycle. It'll be in there. I mean, it's not like a guarantee that it'll happen. Uh, maybe it'll almost be like winning the lottery in some cases, but at the same time, I mean, it never hurts to be the go-to person for somebody. Well, and so should, should professionals reach out to, to media or, and volunteer help? Or, I mean, I know you, in some of your training articles, you said you get something like 100 to 150 emails a day with someone pitching something to you. I'll give you right now, I, I have 222 emails wow. that I have not read today. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, you should reach out to the media. Don't ever think that you shouldn't. If you've got a story to tell and you think the media is the best way to tell it, then you should. But most people I interact with are independents. So I'm talking like a researcher who works for a big company and they've discovered something cool or a researcher who works for a company but they found something on their own you know, and things like this. And I always tell them the same thing. If you have access to a PR company or you have access to a PR person, you should talk to them before you talk to the media. And I know this will seem, you know, very strange to hear a reporter say this because, you know, PR is the exact opposite of me, but PR will defend you. They'll protect you. They'll keep your message on point. They'll keep you from getting bogged down in the weeds with probing questions that aren't really related that could spin the story out of your control. You know, PR has a lot of benefit. And if you have access to media professionals, you should definitely totally take advantage of that. And I say this with all love because I have nothing but friends in the security community, almost like a family for me. But when it comes to my job, you know, the first thing I tell you is the media can be friendly, but the media is not your friend. You know, my job is to get the story out there and to shape a narrative. Your job is to give me an idea of what that narrative could be. And if those two conflict, we both have jobs to do. So it's, it's really tricky when, when you're trying to build relationships with the media that, you know, you, you want to assign instant trust and you can't. You just really can't. And that's why I always say, you know, you go to the, the PR companies and things like that because they have relationships already. They know who you should be talking to a lot better than you do. And it's, it's easier to follow their lead when you're completely new to this. But by all means, don't be afraid to talk to a reporter yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world but you know keep in mind too you know again i've got like 200 some odd emails sitting here <laughs> of these 200 emails just looking at the the subject lines right now i'm telling you of these 200 emails about 180 of them are just straight bland pitches meaning i am one of maybe 100 reporters that got this same email today and of those, you know, bland pitches, maybe two or three are going to be directly related to me. Maybe 10 of them are actually security related. So, I mean, it gives you an idea of the, the kind of stuff I have to sort through on a regular basis. Right. But right. don't be afraid to contact me because by the end of the night, I will have read all of these. I will, I will have at least opened the message to read the top, top couple of sentences. Right. So usually, you know, if you're sending out an email to a reporter – Get everything you really need to say out in about two sentences. If you can do that and catch their attention, you're, you're already well on your way. But then again, a good PR person would have told you that. So, I mean, <laughs> right. that's why I stress them. You know, they're, they're highly important. And you'd be surprised. A lot of companies where you're working, 
even state agencies, if you work at the the federal, you know, state level, they have communications people. They have mm-hmm. PR people and yep. that's what they're there for. They're they're there to help you. And they also have clear defined spokespeople. You know, you're not supposed to talk to the media, somebody else is. And in that case, that's when you need to you need to follow rules because, you know, getting your name and the, the print is not worth losing your job over. But at the same time, if you have a story that really needs to be told and you're willing to take that risk, then having relationships with reporters is a good thing. And again, you know, just like reporters have public profiles, so do PR people. Poke around. Make friends. Having yep. friends is never going to hurt you. You won't lose your job for having friends. But you will lose your job for violating policy and talking to the media without permission. I can guarantee you that's going to happen. And I've right. seen it happen many times. So what advice would you have for InfoSec professionals who don't have a PR uh, department to go to? So you don't have a PR department, but you think you've got something that should be in the news. Um, the first thing I would say is... Understand who you're talking to. So take your time and do some research on the journalist you're about to approach. Look at the things they've written. Are they even writing about what you want to talk to them about? If they're not, it's probably not someone you want to talk to because that means your story idea is out of their assignment beat. So you need to find somebody who's writing about what you're talking about already. Um, Immediately gunning for like the Washington Post or the New York Times, probably not a good idea because if you think 200 emails on my end is bad, try to imagine what the Wall Street Journal sees on an hourly basis. So, I mean, you really, you really kind of have to know your audience before you, you get the, uh, the story out there. And then by the time you've selected the reporter you want to talk to, you know, you have to, you have to know how to get their attention. And this is funny because if you do it right, what you're doing is social engineering your reporter. Okay, And what I mean by this is you need to make sure that you're building up the story in the framework that it catches their attention immediately and it's relevant to what they're writing about right now. So you want to make sure there's some sort of good impact and it's significant to what's going on both in the security world and on their work plate. You know, a reporter that can go from one story to another story to another story and there's like a natural flow of progression, that means you have a chance to get in on that news cycle. And if you've started off with something that's relevant and very clear and it's also timely in the the news cycle itself, you're more likely to get in on that, which means the reporter's going to interview you and that reporter's going to write about you and that's your ultimate goal. But as you're developing this this craft and you're getting – your story down. You want to avoid some pitfalls. Um, just again, I'm looking at just subject lines. I'm not even reading these emails right now. I see four of them that are using jargon. Um, if your email talks about APT, most reporters are going to ignore it because we don't care about that. Um, I see, uh, what is it? Insider threat. This one right here is talking about insider threats. And quite frankly, that can mean anything from a a disgruntled developer to the angry guy in janitorial services. These are all valid insider threats, but they're not being very clear about what that is. It's a very generic term. So my point being is avoid jargon and and things that rely on industry insider knowledge because ultimately what you want is for your 
your message or your story to start within the industry, but be bold enough to where it can expand outside to where people who are not security experts can still understand what you're going for, what you're talking about. Now, part of that's going to be up to a reporter. It's up to me to be able to write a story that I can be all-inclusive. So I can get a story that reads really well to an insider who lives and breathes security, as well as somebody who's never heard of security a day in their life. If I get both of them on the same page and they understand the story, they have done my job. But I can only do my job if you've had yours down pat. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So then, again, the, the, the little trigger words for uh, you know, jargon and stuff like that. Once you get the reporter's attention, you have to, to learn how to control the interview. Uh, sometimes one of the best things you can do is avoid face-to-face or phone conversations. Try to do the, the interview via email. In many, many cases, email interviews are faster. Um, for me as a reporter, I have a complete log of our conversation. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm quoting you from or how I'm quoting you. And from your end, it's good because you get to see all the questions and you get to frame your answers. You're not being put on the spot. You can take your time and craft an answer. But sometimes you don't get your way, therefore you're going to be on the phone or you're going to be at a, a conference on a show floor and you've got a you know, a tape recorder in your face. So what you have to remember is everything you're about to say needs to be on message. Don't deviate. So if you're asked a question and you don't know the answer to it, say, I don't know that right now, but I can get, I can get back to you. Let me look into that and I'll get back to you. The only cravat is you have to remember, get back to the reporter if you promise them that. Mm-hmm. And if you say, I'm going to get back to you, make sure you do. And don't wait like a week or something like that. You know, get back to them in a couple hours. Follow up with them. Um, so again, you just really want to take time and remember that everything you're saying when you're in a live interview, and that means you know, you're on the phone or you've got a, a tape recorder in your face, no matter what that reporter tells you, everything you're saying is on the record. You have to remember that. There is no such thing as off the record. And I say that also you know, being willing to say that if you have a great relationship with a reporter, there's plenty of things that are off the record. You know, my friends know the difference between what they could say to me that's on the record and what they could say, and they know I'll never breathe a word of it. Mm-hmm. But they're also my friends. Right. So most of them will never say something that would put me in, that would force me to have a conflict of interest. They would never put me in that spot. But then again, I also don't put them in the spot to where it jeopardizes friendships or any kind of relationship because I'm trying to get a story. And I don't do that to my friends. But I'm just a guy who writes for a living. That's it. I can't say that that's every reporter. So you always have to be conscious of that in the back of your mind. And, of course, other advice that I've gotten from uh, – I've seen given out to security people is quite simple. Don't talk to reporters. If you're worried about you know, being taken advantage of or being misquoted, you just don't talk to reporters. All right, so kind of along those same lines, and, and uh, maybe some of the reason why people are a little bit concerned is, is what do you, what does a bad interaction look like with a reporter? Oh man, um, well, right out the gate, a bad interaction from a reporter is a reporter who kind of hijacks you. Um, they just spring up and they they 
show up one day right outside of your office and they knock on your door and they stick their head and go, Tim, Steve Reagan, CSO, I've got a question for you. Mind if I come in? And I walk in and just sit down and I stare at you for a minute and I start rapid blasting questions like, hey, I heard that, uh, you know, the city of Montana is thinking about going to Google Cloud, but you guys are just not going to use two-factor and you're requiring all employees to have 1234 as a password. Is that true? It's not true? What do you mean it's not true? I've got, a, I've got two sources right here to tell me this and they gave me your names. So if that's not true, then what are you doing? Well, I think the people have a right to not. And I mean, there's ways to press and spin an -hmm. interview that if you feel like you're on the defense and you have to defend whatever is being thrown at you, like you've got to defend yourself or you have to defend your product or your organization, that's a bad interview. You shouldn't have to be forced on the defensive immediately. Now, there will come a time to where you are going to be on the back foot and you are going to be defending your, your, yourself or your product or your company. But no interview should immediately start hostile. And if that happens, that's, that's your clear sign that you just need to say nothing and walk away. You know, just tell the reporter we're not having this conversation and leave. Give them your business card if you want and they can email you later or what have you. Or if you have a, a PR person, you know, you say you need to contact them. But you do not want to be involved in that interview because no matter what happens, it will not end well for you. I can guarantee that. Um, little tricks of the trade when you're in an interview, you can tell it's going, going down is when um, the reporter starts paraphrasing you. <laughs> so um, to give you an example, your quote, you know, like what you actually said to the answer of question was, we believe in Google's two-factor authentication because it's – very robust and works with everything else in the organization. It's a good fit for us. And they come back and say, so then uh, Google's the only cloud provider you trust? That's what you're saying? <laughs> That's not at all what you said. But right. if you agreed to that on a general principle, because you know if it's a good fit for your organization and the TFA works for you, yeah, you trust Google. So by me saying Google's the only one you trust. If you agreed to that, I can make that your quote because that is what you said. And it's shady. It's very dirty journalism, but it's been done before. So things like that, paraphrasing is another pitfall you want to watch out for. Um, interrupting. You start to give an answer and the reporter cuts you off and asks you another question. Uh, that's a way to direct a conversation, but interrupting is another sign of a, a bad interview. And, of course, silence. Silence can be used against the, the journalist, too. So what I mean by that is I'll ask you a question, and I just sit silent, and I wait for you to answer. The longer I sit silent, the more likely it is you're going to start talking. If you recognize that that's happening, though, you could turn the tables and sit silent yourself, and the first one to crack loses. So you're sitting there for like 45 minutes with the reporter just staring at each other. I've uh, done that. I've done that. Uh, the record was uh, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Oh. 15 minutes. That's, he that's he a was, a, uh, he was a, a, let's just call him a hot shot in the government. And uh, he really could not leave the room because his PR communications people were like, you are going to talk with him. It is on the record. And I asked him a question and he just sat there. And so I just stared at him and he answered my question. It took a while, but he answered my question. And the thing was, I wasn't trying to be mean about it. This was actually a good interview for him. I was one of the few reporters that gave him a positive light because I 
truly felt that you know this individual there was nothing they could do either way they were going to go down it was that was just the situation of the day but yeah i mean silence does work but if you recognize silence is happening and you're willing to play that game you could win first one to crack loses you can you if you recognize those it kind of helps you be a little more prepared for responses or like you said just walking away (laughs) if uh, if it gets too uncomfortable yeah, when you're uncomfortable, just walk away. I mean, the biggest trick to doing interviews with the media is just remember your talking points. Right. Remember the reason you're talking to the journalist in the first place and stick to that. Don't let them drag you around. And if they do start to drag you around and you start bouncing from point to point, be conscious of that. Pay attention to what's being asked and why. And, you know, I, I have a, a really funny gag that I use it for, but it's very real, you know. When you're talking to the media, remember that everything you say can and will be used against you. Now, if you're not saying anything negative and you're not saying anything bad and you're not saying anything that's violating your corporate policy, then everything you say is on the record and it's going to look good. That's a winning interview. But my job is to make you say things you don't really want to. I have to be good at that because that's where stories are. So you you have to pay attention to what the reporter's saying. You know, the more I talk, the more evil it makes it sound like it's evil, and that's not that's not true. Reporters aren't evil, but they do have a job. You know, my right. job is to inform, shape opinions, and inform the inform the public. And you'll see a lot of discussion about this on social media and things. Where like, you know, that reporter didn't get both sides of the story. And the harsh reality is, there's not always two sides to a story. Sometimes there's one. Sometimes there's three. There could be a dozen sides to a story. My job is to know my readers and to present the information that they're going to want and present it in a way that they can understand and they can follow in a way that makes it relevant to them. So that could be presenting both sides of the argument. That could be, that could be presenting one side of the argument and touching on the other side. That could be you know, making it a, a giant topic and bringing all sides to the table. It just really depends on the, the situation. So you have to – when you're – a part of that. You have to understand what the reporter's going for. And that's that's where you, you do the big win. Because again, if you do your research on the reporter and you know what they cover and you know how they write and you pay attention to what they're writing so you get a, a good idea of how they think when they, they frame up a story, you'll know how to deal with them. You know, reporters are people too. I mean they make mistakes, they 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 have their own personal viewpoints and those viewpoints will come out in the story. That's just the way it is. If you're aware of that, then you'll have a perfect time with a reporter. You're not going to have to worry about it. But I've noticed a lot of people I deal with in our industry, they don't like the media just on principle. Or, And, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong because I, I know some people who hate the media and they have very valid reasons for it. But a lot of them also... They have a hard time talking to media because it makes them nervous. And in that situation, if the story's worth it for me, my job is to calm you down, to, to put you in a, a relaxing environment to where, you know, trust me, I'm not here to burn you. You know, that's, that's kind of where your reputation comes on the line and, you know, you have to, to play your cards right. But, yeah, definitely, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you just – have to pay attention and know what's going on around you. you know, that's, that's why in the, the one article I hit up before Black Hat, I was like, not everyone in the media is your enemy, but and be real clear about this. They're not your friends either. 
You just have to know who you're dealing with. But if you can form relationships with the press, having a long-standing relationship with a journalist is your, in your best interest. It comes in handy. And that will do it for part one of how information security professionals should interact with the media. Hopefully you learned something. If you didn't, drop me a line on Twitter at Timothy D Block or email me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com and let me know what you didn't learn and we'll try to cover it in a future podcast. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes so it can reach others trying to explore information security. Have a good one.